Hello, and welcome to the Zircona Growth Insights Podcast, bringing clarity to the complexities of consumer behavior. Episodes feature industry experts, partners, and guests across the 26 industries we track, representing nearly $4 trillion in global consumer spending. Our goal is to give you transformative insights and the most complete view of consumer and market opportunities. Welcome to a tech episode of Circana Growth Insights. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Mike Crosby, Executive Director, Industry Advisor for Commercial and Consumer Technology, and Paul Gagnon, Vice President, Industry Advisor, Consumer Technology. Um, we haven't heard from you two since CES way back in January, so welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Joan. So to kick us off, I know we did a series of podcasts around CES, but I'd like to just focus in on some of the topics that we're going to be talking about today because tech is broad. So Mike, I'm going to start with you and just have you help frame out, are we going to talk about hardware? Are we going to talk about software? Yeah, it's a great question. Again, tech is really, really broad, uh, but the expectation uh, for today should be about hardware. We're going to talk really about since it's so broad, we're going to talk in general kind of at a macro level on how tech is performing as a whole, and then certainly talk a little bit more uh, at a micro level relative to certain categories on where we see the growth trends and opportunities or challenges kind of arise. And we'll, we'll certainly get into those in a little Perfect. bit uh, deeper level. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I mentioned those CES podcasts, which are all available on our website at zircana.com. Um, but that was, again, back in January, and you were excited about the show, but you were cautiously optimistic about the year ahead. And given everything that has happened with all those investments that people made in tech during the pandemic, I kind of like to get a little bit of a sense of where we are now. So, Paul, give us kind of like the landscape, if you will. Yeah, sure, Joan. So as we exited 2022 and we're headed to CES, the market was down for tech spending. Uh, that wasn't a great surprise because so many people had shifted their spending to things outside the home. There were some tremendous growth years in 2020 and 2021 in tech because people couldn't use that money away from home and quite a lot of extra discretionary spending that came with um, not being able to spend on things outside the home, not you know a lot of stimulus money being provided to people, um, enhanced benefits. And so people spent that money uh, in improving their at-home situation. And whether that was investing in home improvement project, uh, projects or buying new PCs so you can keep working and learning at home, new TVs to entertain yourself at home, all of that stuff led to a pretty big boom during the pandemic. And we're coming off the backside of that now. And, you know, it's a very cyclical, I mean, you might even use the word hyper cyclical kind of situation in, in tech spending because these products have three, four, sometimes a much longer refresh cycle, replacement cycle. And we're just not yet at the next upturn in that cycle based on the spending we just had. So year to date through June, tech dollars are down about 12%. Units are about 9% down. Uh, and it's, it's you know, we're kind of in a recession, but a tech recession in terms of spending. We've been down for six consecutive quarters in dollars, which, you know, 
broadly speaking, the economy consider it's considered to be in a recession if the economy is down, GDP is down two consecutive quarters in a row. So we're we're at a bit of a tech recession at the moment. I heard you use the word cyclical in terms of purchasing technology, but you triggered a word with me, you know, particularly because we're in a high inflationary period of recycle. So is there an opportunity with tech or are people trying to get more mileage out of things by having them updated or even purchasing pre-owned equipment when they have to replace it? Like how big of a deal is that? It's a big deal. Um, certainly the, the companies who manufacture the electronics products that they want to sell to us want to sell to us more frequently, but in kind of difficult economic times such as we're in, extending the life cycle of those products becomes something that consumers get more interested in. And we do see examples of maybe some adjacent, you know, indicators or categories of products that might suggest that people are trying to extend the life of an existing tech item that they might've purchased during the pandemic. For example, things like PC memory or, you know, solid state hard, uh, hard drives that consumers use in their, their computers to, expand storage, sales of those are up a lot so far this year. And part of the reason for that is because prices have come down a lot for those components. But that's possibly an example why the PC market is struggling more than even some other uh, tech categories this year, because people are really trying to push the life of their PC a little bit longer. Um, another example is that in the mobile phone market, we hear when we make have our conversations with manufacturers and retailers that consumers are looking to repair their products, uh, their, their, their smartphones, or replace the battery because its useful life is, has passed. Um, and even sales of things like certified pre-owned uh, mm -hmm. phones are up. And these are all examples of consumers kind of trying to stretch the life of the products they may have already purchased. Excellent. Thank you. So Mike, I want to turn to you. And part of you know, I know that there's a cycle to this, but at the same time, you know, in periods of high inflation, people are looking for deals. So what kind of strategies are retailers or manufacturers offering to incentivize people to buy now? Yeah, it's a great question because I think there's a there's a, a couple of different dynamics that are going on right now. As I mentioned earlier, there's a period right now in product development that's a little bit in a lull. In other words, during the peak demand that was much higher than supply, manufacturers were focused solely on getting product to market. I think there was less of a focus on innovation. And now those products have been purchased in that earlier cycle. And now there's a real critical challenge around what, what really is enticing the consumer to buy. So to your point, this year, probably along with what we started to see last year, but even more so, while the economy is still a challenge and we're seeing buying power be pretty diminished for the consumer, they're looking for value. And they're going to be much more scrutinizing in purchases. And I think with that, the expectation is I want to be able to buy not just a low-end product, but in many cases, like we saw last year, we saw mid-range and premium products actually do perform better because they were seeing dollars off and discounts. So the value doesn't necessarily equate to solely lowest cost. It may be a mid-range or a premium product that had a pretty robust promotion on it that ultimately enticed the consumer to buy. But to your point, we believe not only in back to school this year, but also heading into holiday, even though we've seen a lot of the supply chain issues diminish, there's still going to be an expectation. It's going to take a little bit of effort 
to get consumers out and be willing to spend. There's over a trillion dollars nearly of consumer debt at this point. And so consumers are scrutinizing where and how do I spend this dollar? Am I getting the most value out of it? So we are, we're anticipating, I think, some some need for some pretty robust uh, promotions by retailers and manufacturers to entice that consumer. So, and you just mentioned that whole back to school, which I would imagine along with holidays are probably the biggest purchase times of the year. Am I, is that accurate? Between back to school and holiday, those two clearly are. And it's really very much back end loaded for the year. So in many cases, this is also where retailers have the ability to to show profit or to show growth, because that's really where the, the bulk of the velocity of the business really comes in the second half. You know, I just recorded a podcast with um, colleagues, Jonna Parker and, and an industry partner, um, Anna Marie Rorink, and we were talking about how retailers really need to reframe their summer playbook. And you mentioned back to school, and of course, then back to school leads to holiday. How would you encourage, you know, maybe these retailers and manufacturers to change their playbook, given where we are right now for how they're going to sell or promote or price technology? Some really interesting dynamics, especially within the the computing or PC categories, is that we're seeing a pretty good migration away from e-com as a as a as a purchase method and more migrating towards in-store. So I think what you're going to continue to see is it's getting back to a little bit more traditional. If you drive a consumer, how's the in-store merchandising, the on-shelf? How are you seeing the adjacencies merchandised in a store effectively? So I think it's going to get back to fundamental uh, marketing and merchandising effectively in store because consumers, that's where they're choosing to go. Again, we believe the the biggest reason for that is tied to as a consumer is is scrutinizing their purchase, they want to physically see it and touch it and pick it up. Make sure, is that exactly what I need? Because I'm really trying to be careful and cautious around where and how I commit my dollars. And retail is is driving that ability to, to, I think, give that consumer kind of that uh, that feel of the purchase. I really like your comment too about, you know, some of those adjacencies and merchandising accordingly, because I don't get the sense that e-com has really done a fantastic job of saying, if you buy this, you know, you might want to look at this because even like, okay, Amazon does a good job, but honestly, I think you do need to be in the store for some of that, particularly around tech, because it's not the known. It's not what people are buying every day. Well, and there's a limitation to the quality and the richness and, and the, the effectiveness of, of digital media, of content online. You can do the comparisons. You can do the videos. You can do all of the things. Those are all very, very valuable. But I think it's still that, that personal engagement that, that now retailers are seeing consumers really wanting. Uh, is making a difference. And the nice thing is it's not one or the other. In many cases, it's augmentation of all that. The consumer may go out online, do some of the initial review, and hey, that looks interesting. I'm now going to go to my local electronics store and look specifically at that product and does it really deliver on what I believe it it is? And if it does, then I'm going to likely purchase it. So you're you're seeing now that 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 interoperability and kind of kind of entanglement of both channels in the way consumers are buying, but certainly we're seeing that migration back in store. It's the omni-channel path, right? You yep. know, use digital to help get people in the store. I, I really like that a lot. So Paul, you kind of painted a, a picture, you're painting a picture of 
a pretty tough market right now for tech with um, sales lagging because of the cyclability, um, with in innovation down because companies were focused on getting product to market. What kind of an outlook can you provide? I think this holiday season is going to be characterized by very focused promotional periods. I, I think when we look back at last year, a lot of promotions, not necessarily deep or, or kind of aggressive promotions, but frequent promotions was kind of the playbook. This year, and we're seeing that in some of the the, the price and discount uh, data that we have access to through our analytics research, that the effectiveness of promotions has decreased a little bit. And that means that for a given discount, you're getting less lift, less benefit to sales. So, you know, maybe last year you, or, or two years ago, you could, you know, fund $25 of diff discount on a product and get $100 worth of extra sales. And now you're getting 50. And that difference in effectiveness means you really have to focus and be very kind of concentrated in promotions. And so what I think we'll see this holiday season, and we might even see it in the back to school season coming up is, you know, more narrow, but more um, aggressive or, you know, hyped promotions uh, at certain points during the holiday season. And the consumer is looking for that too, by the way. You know, the consumer is very conscious about waiting to make a purchase until they think they're going to get the best deal. And I think that's going to characterize this holiday season coming up. We're not really, we're not forecasting growth this holiday season. In fact, you know, we're looking for in general about a 3% uh, year over year decline, but that's better than we've seen um, in previous quarters, especially the first half of this year. So signs of improvement. Um, but it's going to be a very kind of focused, value-oriented promotional holiday season coming up. Is that part of maybe getting rid of current inventory, like the, some of those narrow promotions? Yeah, the narrow promotions aren't necessarily going to be about inventory control. Broadly speaking, in tech, inventory isn't really much of an issue anymore. And, you know, Mike's pointed this out before as well, that manufacturers are doing a better job in terms of product mix this year, offering good, better, best product strategy, where a year ago it was better and best. There wasn't a lot of value-oriented product in market, and this year there is going to be more of that. Um, so it's not really necessarily about inventory reduction. It's about optimizing and getting as much incremental lift from sales and promotions as you can when consumers are kind of primed to be able to, you know, be receptive to those promotions. Well, I'll go back to that omni-channel approach, you know, use digital to get people in the store. Um, so can you give us an idea of what we should be looking for to see when this is going to turn around? And you're expecting an additional 3% decline in dollar sales for the fourth quarter. What do I need to look for? What are my signposts that things are going to improve? I think the first signpo uh, signpost is going to be what happens around the promotional holidays, this back to school season, right? So if, as we've been assuming, and there's been some, a few recent product launches, um, product introductions, you know, Apple just launched the, the MacBook, um, M2 MacBook uh, Air 15 inch with some pretty good success we're starting to see shows that there are some consumers out there kind of aware of and waiting for some of these good product introductions. But if we see a lot of lift, for example, the upcoming prime holiday season, 
um, prime, prime holiday event uh, in a few weeks. If that's really successful, it's a good indicator that there's a group of consumers who have been sitting on the sidelines waiting for these opportune times to buy. If that's successful, that bodes well for the upcoming holiday season. Maybe not broadly across, you know, an early October to end of December period, but maybe things like Black Friday or the week before Christmas um, or a big promotional event in October might be more successful. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the new things that you are seeing that are, you know, making you optimistic about innovation making a rebound? Definitely I'm seeing, again, if you look at PCs specifically, um, where I think you're seeing a lot of a lot of improvement being made is really around um, speed and processing capability as well as battery life. And again, those are key things within any notebook kind of a platform, but you certainly see that reinvigoration of performance driven. Uh, you're seeing significant improvements in display and display technology, quality displays. So you're looking at those types of things that are enhancements of what are those core elements of what those PCs are, are made up and built on. You're definitely seeing, uh, I think, a return to that. And you're likely to see that get back on that same cadence. Keep in mind, Paul had mentioned earlier, and this applies for both commercial and consumer, but there's a, in any of these major purchases, there's a typical refresh cycle that goes on. And PCs, if you take out the high and low, kind of the average is about four years. If you're looking at that window, it's going to time really nicely with where we believe the economy is going to continue to show or show up at a very nice level. You're going to see inflation down near target levels. Supply chain is very much stabilized. And you're coming up on that four-year window where a significant amount of PCs were purchased in 19 and 20. So as you get to that point, you're going to see inflection of new technology, new innovation, a need to repurchase and refresh based on the legacy device that you have. And you have much stronger economic conditions where I think the consumer is going to be much better prepared uh, you're likely to see improvements around consumer debt. You're gonna, so there's a lot of things. So to Paul's original kind of macro comment on forecast, the trough we're really seeing is really 2023 is now. You're going to start to see the back half of the declines diminish over the second half. And then heading into 24 and 25, you're going to start to see that uptick back to positive growth on a year over year. We also have one other thing in PCs that's going to be an interesting catalyst as you have um, Windows 10 is going to be sunsetting in October of 2025. And based on a recent data uh, survey that I had seen, uh, they're estimating still about 70% of the active Windows users are still operating in legacy OS devices, not Windows 11, but Windows 10 and older. So that's also going to be a nice catalyst for some acceleration of refresh. And there's a hardware requirement in that that ultimately is gonna have ASPs probably elevate as well because people are gonna need more powerful technology to drive ultimately the, the new OS. So lots going on, but that's kind of the that's kind of the flow. That's the climb out. And those are, I think, some of the things that uh, are gonna be interesting catalysts to help drive uh, kind of a recovering tech business. You're just asking about you know innovation and the ability for new and innovative products to kind of drive growth. I think there's, Possibly no better example of that than the AR VR category, which in 2021 saw a ton of growth, especially toward the holiday season with the launch of Meta's 
Quest 2 product. That product has been in market now for a couple of years, and there really haven't been any new products in the space for the last two years, and sales have been down substantially in, in 2021, or sorry, 2022, and even into early 2023. Well, we just had Apple announce their new uh, Vision Pro product that's expected to come to market in 2024. And Meta announced the next generation Quest 3 product, which looks like it'll launch you know, this holiday season. And so one of the big changes we made to our future of tech forecast this quarter was to reflect a return to strong growth in that category next year. And when we look at absolute volumes of units, there were almost 5 million VR headsets purchased in 2021. We think we can exceed that number next year, but it's all because there's a new generation of products, some strong innovation. We're looking for other product categories where that can occur. And, you know, there's some cases like, you know, look at the TV category, there hasn't been a much, you know, a ton of innovation over the last few years, and that market's been relatively stable. And, you know, there's, you know, maybe some room for innovation that can drive the category upward again, but it's really going to take fundamentally new and emerging technology categories like home automation or wearable devices like ARVR headsets to really kind of be that growth engine. That's one of the things that we're highlighting in the forecast this year, this, this update. You know, so interesting because um, I had a really in-depth co conversation with a colleague from New Zealand, and we were talking about this huge, like, overarching trend towards things like enchantment or escapism. And I would have thought, wow, 5 million, you know, um, 5 million AR, VR products sold is a lot. But I have never seen so much evidence of people seeking Anything that enchants, delights, um, a new term that I'm going to be using a lot is the joy economy um, because people are looking for it. So I think that that really speaks to um, where we're headed and how tech can help. And, and before I circle back and talk a little bit more about that future of retail, I want to ask, what is, um, Mike, what is AI's role in all of this? I mean, we're talking about virtual reality, but what about artificial intelligence? AI is, is, I think, going to be uh, unbelievably robust in accelerating a lot of different things relative to consumer electronics. I jotted down just a couple of points that I had earlier, like the basics that we're seeing that have already really been exploited between Siri um, and certainly with Alexa and some of those others. But if you look at really where AI now is the power of the algorithm, it's really helping with personalization with the consumer. So as you get into all these different consumer electronic devices, you're seeing the ability to learn, to adjust, to personalize, to provide that user experience that's going to be unique. And you're going to see AI really thread its way through all of these different types of technologies. It's really enhancing on that, that user experience. So think personalization, think ease of use, think AI is going to help with even monitoring of devices. You're going to see the ability to determine if this product is performing at its optimal and if it's not, it can provide some insight as to maybe what things needed to be done. So you're going to see a lot of different things around AI, machine learning specifically, and how do they integrate more within the broader consumer electronics category. But it's certainly going to be significant. And what's interesting is a lot of it's going to actually appear maybe a little bit passive 
for the consumer because it's been going on in the background. You're not going to see this active engagement, maybe like an Alexa or, or Siri, where you're actively doing it. But there's a lot of other subtleties that's going to customize and personalize that experience that you're just going to enjoy the technology without necessarily knowing all the ins and outs of what's going on behind the scenes. So look for that to really enhance, I think, a significant part of, uh, of the development now of these new products as they come to market and really what that, that ultimate user experience is going to be. Excellent. Thank you so much. Hey, Paul, I want to go back to you and have you kind of tell us a little bit more about, you know, future of tech, that, re that report or the research that you just mentioned. Yeah, the, the, the future of series of products uh, isn't just tech. We have future of that covers a ton of different categories in the, the general merchandise world of research. Um, and by the way, you can go to future-of.npd.com. You know, Circana is a combination of two giants of research, NPD and IRI, and this is a, a product from our legacy uh, MPD team. And what it does is we have a team of, of researchers essentially in our analytics group that have developed these models that analyze the billions of data points of point of sale data, consumer data, um, statistical, economical models, and, and kind of incorporates that all together with the help of analysts like myself and Mike to kind of fine tune the outlooks. And it's quite granular uh, and it's updated two times per year. I just mentioned that we launched the latest update to the future of tech product um, uh, yesterday uh, or, or you know, late June. Um, and then you know, there's a future of B2B tech product that Mike works on, for example, that looks at kind of commercial markets for, for tech. So there's a lot of different future of products, but that's kind of how the, the basic methodology works. Perfect. I want to highlight a couple of the things I heard from you today. Notably, tech is bottoming out right now, and you're expecting an additional 3% decline in dollar sales for Q4, with total 2023 revenues down 8%. Ouch. But on the upside, you know, 2024 is poised for a healthy rebound. You know, it's when that, that um, typical cycle for technology kind of expires based on 2020 purchases. Um, the economy is rebounding, inflation is tempered, and importantly, that supply chain is stabilized. Um, and you're looking at innovation kind of making a comeback. You know, certainly there's different signs of it, particularly with AR and VR, but um, we can expect that that innovation pipeline is going to be refueled, um, if you will. You know, one of the things that I like that isn't, it's not just for tech, it's for so many other things, is that taking that omni-channel approach, leveraging digital to inform and engage with consumers, use some of that AI to find out who the right consumers are and target them appropriately, then get them in store, which is where they want to shop, so that they can see a lot of the adjacencies and things like that. With that, I want to say thank you so much, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Joan. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Appreciate the time today. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Zirconic Growth Insights podcast so you don't miss an episode. And let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'll serve it up in a future episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review Zirconic Growth Insights. Want to learn more? Visit us at zircona.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.